0: Hello, welcome to the Healthy For Men podumentary series. My name's Tom Rowley. I'm the editor of Healthy For Men magazine. Before we get going, just a quick partnership announcement. This episode is brought to you by Bounce Foods. Now, Bounce's mission is to inspire positive change in the way people eat think and live, which is what the Healthy For Men Podumentary series is all about. If you haven't tried Bounce Balls before, they're full of high quality protein, high quality vitamins and minerals. And they're great for when you're on the go and you need a quick snack. There's also a vegan option called V-Life, which are made from almonds and plant protein, super tasty, super convenient. Grab a Bounce Ball from any Holland and Barrett store throughout the UK or visit bouncefoods.com for more information. Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of the Healthy for Men podumentary series in association with Holland and Barrett. My name's Tom Rowley. I'm the editor of Healthy for Men magazine. And in this episode, we speak with the UK's leading ageing expert, Stuart Miles. Stuart gives us some fantastic advice on how we can look better no matter our age. And we talk about the relationship between masculinity and grooming and how those two things have evolved over the years. Hope you enjoy our conversation with Stuart and thank you very much for downloading. Stuart Miles, thank you so much for coming and speaking to
1: us. Oh, do you know, it's it's great to be here. It's lovely to meet you. Um, You are exactly as I imagined, an (laughs) editor of Healthy For Men magazine would look. I'm so glad. I don't want to be disappointed and walk in and go, he edits Healthy For Men and looks like that. But you are are everything that uh, I imagined you would be. That's good to hear. And likewise, although I imagined
0: you (laughs) to be a lot older because um, you're clearly about 25
1: 30. You know how old I am I, do, I, I write, I do I write a are. column for your magazine <laughs> and I'm 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 49 yes. and I'm I'm scarily 50 mm. uh in February next year which I, I I can't I can't believe that we were just mm. chatting about um the Bournemouth connection yeah and I was at Bournemouth University and I just said to you I was there in 87 how old were you and and you said you weren't even born. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is not good.
0: No, that that is crazy, isn't it? But um, I have the same thing with, with people who I, people tell me they're born. Oh, I'm born in um, 2001. And it's like, these people that are born in 2001 are like nearly 18. Oh, now, we don't right? even talk to those people. No, we don't. Just, too, too,
1: too off my radar yeah, totally. Absolutely. No, it's yeah, weird. No, I agree.
0: Um, so, today, what, what I wanted to talk about is um, the grooming industry as a, as a whole. But also masculinity and um, what that means, what the future of masculinity means um, for um, the grooming industry. And and so... Tell us a little bit about your background and, and obviously you're a broadcaster, you you were on Blue Peter um, for how many
1: years? I was there for five years from uh, 94 to 99, which has also just scared me because that means you might have been watching me. I
0: definitely would have been watching you. That's my prime Blue Peter time. That was. was, was, that in, was. In when that you period. say you definitely
1: would be there, it sounds like a question in your voice like you did, but you can't quite remember anything I did. <laughs> I must try harder I should make more of an no, impact. No, I do. I do yeah. remember you. And, yeah, we see, um, you remember Katie Hill maybe more than me or I don't know. Yes. No, I remember <laughs> Katie Hill. Yes. <laughs> um,
0: so how did you get, how did you get a job with Blue Peter? What happened?
1: Um, I was actually working on another children's show, bizarrely, on uh, ITV. Um, It was just part of GMTV when it launched, called Saturday Disney. Uh, I did that for a year. And then when they were looking for a new Blue Peter presenter, I approached them and they said, come on, audition. And the reason that they, I thought it was because I was kind of like being spotted by the editor of the Mm -hmm. show. But no, 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 no. Apparently the editor, then editor of Blue Peter, his two young daughters uh, used to watch me on this Saturday morning show. So he had asked them, uh, who do you think's really good on the telly at the moment? And, and my name had come up just because they happened to watch me on that show. Oh, wow. So that did me a huge amount of favour, obviously, uh, yeah, yeah. because he thought if my kids like him, then maybe other kids will as well. But you know what? I went for the audition and I never got the job. I didn't get the job. Tim Vincent got the job over me. Before, um, I know, really? I know. That guy had... Blooming huh? Tim, Vincent Tim Vincent and his chiselled good looks. <laughs> muscle, anyway. But the thing was, actually, that did me a favour because um, they did actually really like me. Mm-hmm. And six months later, unbeknown to me, they actually knew someone else was about to leave. And then I got the call because they were going to change the format from uh, a guy and two girls to two, girl, two guys and a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what... So they brought me and went. Anthea Turner left, six months later. So... <laughs> bizarrely, I became the next Anthea Turner. Wow. I'm not quite sure how I felt about that.
0: <laughs> so why did they change the format to two guys and a, and a girl?
1: Um, it was weird because I was told that what they thought or what they knew was that um, with children, it was like um, boys and girls quite liked watching another boy on the television. Mm-hmm. But boys wouldn't necessarily like watching another girl on the television which was really interesting at that the time. Is interesting. Yeah. So they thought by having two boys and a girl, they would appeal to more children as opposed to two girls and a boy. Now, right. I mean, this wasn't anything scientific. This was just something they'd found out while chatting to children, that boys were much more interested in watching other boys on the television mm. at that young age as they were to girls. Whereas girls at a young age were quite happy to watch a boy or Either a girl. Or. And that's quite interesting, isn't it, really? That's really interesting, I think yeah. 10 years later, it probably swaps the other mm-hmm. way. But at that age, um, boys obviously feel that they just want to look at role models, I guess. Yeah. And they see only a boy as another suitable role mm-hmm. model, yeah. which is really interesting, isn't it?
0: I wonder if now boys see women as role models more than perhaps they did 20 years ago. I'd hope so. I, I think, think so. I think hopefully. that
1: probably is the case. I think... And I I don't know whether it's the case that they always saw them as role models. It's just that I guess there was a feeling, and we have to remember this was like in the Mm mid-90s, things were really different then. You forget, you go, oh, that's not actually that long ago, but actually things were really different. They were very different, yeah. and Very gendered, I I feel. Yeah, they were. And I think that what boys were expected to achieve and be interested in and the games are expected to play were something that they would see another boy do. And that if you were a boy who felt that you wanted to do something uh, that a girl was doing Mm -hmm. at that time, then things were much tougher. Mm -hmm. And I think parents now are, are quite rightly so, much less concerned or bothered about that sort of thing. And it's a much more healthy environment. But then... I think things were very different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who was your role model when you were growing up? Wow. Do you know what? I think I, because I wanted to go into television and radio and that sort of thing, I looked at people on the radio and the television. So for example, um, when I was growing up, Um, when I was supposed to be doing my revision in my bedroom, all I would have on was Steve Wright in the afternoon on Radio Mm. 1. And I used to hear him when he'd have all his characters on and it was a a, a distraction from me for doing any work, really. Mm. Um, And it was also something I looked at and thought, radio sounds so cool, Uh, that sounds great fun, that sounds like a, a party I want to be at. Um, And then the television as well, you know, I think when I was looking at television in that era, there were the first signs of people coming through children's TV Mm -hmm. becoming big, big stars like Philip Schofield, who was the very first. And it kind of grew from there. And so I remember looking at people like him and going... I mean, this was a man who sat in a broom cupboard with a little puppet, Gopher. but then ended gone the Gopher and then ended up on the front of a team magazine at the oh. same time, being adored by all these teenage girls at the same time. It was like they were mini pop stars mm-hmm. and that had never happened before. It was always, obviously, you know, the pop stars of, of my era growing up who were on the front of magazines, not children's TV presenters.
0: Yeah. Now that, well, since you were getting into broadcasting... Were you nervous about it?
1: Was it something that came naturally to you? I was terrified. Mm. Um, I I don't think... And you speak to a lot of people in broadcasting. I Mm. think most people in broadcasting, if they were to really admit it, would say they were some of the least confident people around, which is bizarre because you'll see them on the TV and you'll think completely the opposite. Absolutely. But a lot of them come from a background where they weren't maybe the... (sighs) how can I put this, the centre of attention in the playground. Oh, right. <laughs> Maybe they were the shy child. I was a shy child. Um, and actually the weird thing was when I got this job, so many of the teachers that had known me were like, oh my God, what, how, could, how has he done that? How is he doing that? Mm-hmm. And if I'm honest, I don't really know how I found that confidence straight away, but I think I built up a confidence very slowly yeah. in... Um, an experience of what I was doing. So the more I did it, the more I realised, oh, I can do this, I know what I'm doing. And I think it's like anybody in any role, often in life we put on a, a suit of armour, if you like, yeah. um, which becomes our protection in whatever role we're playing during the day. And we all get used to doing that. And I think as a presenter, you do often do that as well. Not because you're playing an act or playing a part, because you're not. But just to have the confidence to be able to stand up there and do it, you know, like to go on live television, like in my early Mm twenties, you know, if I sat and thought about how many people were watching, I just don't think I'd have ever done it. (laughs) I just had to get used to thinking there there just wasn't, it was just cameras and a few people in the studio and don't think about it really too much until you've finished do you and get, get nervous my these way days as Less so, um, but always about things that I'm uh, I'm unsure about or, or new things. I get nervous around uh, people sometimes who will make me feel... Um, I suppose sometimes people are very impressive and we we all get this, can make us return to that childlike vulnerable state inside yeah. that we all have and it's always there, but anyone who's very... Impressive for whatever reason—be that physically, be that um, something they've achieved. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gone to interview big names, and I've thought I was fine, <laughs> and then I'd go into the room and I'd sit down, and you get that feeling oh, inside. Yeah. yeah, I don't if you know that feeling where um, you you suddenly feel, oh my God, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I feel really vulnerable. I don't know if I can. And you you just have to go, just. <clears throat> pull yourself together. Do you feel like you're an abso- imposter at all? Yes, that's a really good word to use. Actually, you feel like what? What am I? You know, how have I done this? How? How me, the person that that inside feels again like that child who was kind of shy or vulnerable. How have I managed to sit in this room with this this person? And let them believe that I know what I'm doing, and you do know what you're doing. But you, everyone doubts and questions
0: themselves. Absolutely, and that's when that doubt fully realises itself. When you have to yes. assert that authority in that terrifying situation. Yes.
1: I'm even like that with um, with people who are uh, have great bodies. Like I think with men, it's is a really interesting thing where you know a lot of people will spend a lot of time in the gym, um, and. Sometimes you'll meet someone who is sort of you look at them and think, "Oh my, they are like that's the body I would like to have, and straight away you will feel vulnerable because you're like ooh that 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 makes me feel weird I feel like i've an underachiever oh, okay <laughs> in the body sense
0: yeah yeah, and that's sad though isn't it because I think that's um it's commonly talked about is is the influence of of magazines and uh, imagery over people's um
1: over their vulnerability. It makes people feel insecure. It does, and I'm yeah. not saying people do it. Um, I mean, people are uh, impressive in all sorts of ways, but there is a, a much more focus um, f- for guys now on um, physical impressiveness. Um, and and health is important and fitness is important, but sometimes I do feel that we might have lost our way a little bit and that I think that, um, that we should be celebrating uh, guys of all shapes and sizes. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going through what women went through, but maybe uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that um, women are ahead of the curve in the sense that they are now uh, uh, celebrating women of all shapes and sizes, whereas we're playing catch up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still, you know, obsessed with um, getting our pecs and our biceps on Instagram. Uh, yeah. As, as everyone does when they want, you know, a number of likes, you know, Mm -hmm. the problem is if it didn't get five or 600 likes, people wouldn't do it. So of course there's a hunger for this and it's absolutely inspirational. I'm the first person to say, you know, if I need inspiration, of course I go look at someone who looks amazing, who, uh, I can look at and go, maybe I could achieve that. Um, but I just worry that, what we're doing to ourselves is allowing ourselves to feel uh, like that child again. And we're making ourselves feel vulnerable and insecure about how, how we are as people mm-hmm. and not just always about how we look as well. Yeah. It can make you feel, it can make some guys feel much more introverted as well. Once you feel insecure about your body, it can affect you in so many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think
0: I find found it damaging at points. Definitely. I've, I've had to, uh, well, you delete always... my Instagram now and then because I'm looking at too many like buff men and yeah. like, obsessing over what I'm eating and you know and then I think oh is it an eating disorder that I'm this obsessed with my food you know what's the line and uh, is it a you know a fitness disorder where I'm just obsessively working out for no real reason at all sometimes sometimes I'm training for something
1: but really mainly it is it is aesthetics really that that's that's why I train we well, always th- that th- 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 the way you are now, because I know a lot of guys, a lot of my mates as well, who went through this kind of epiphany of of not looking like that, mm-hmm. and and actually sometimes uh, someone who's that age and say you were a, a teenager and you're overweight, that seems to be a massive driving force in a lot of people who look amazing. It's mm-hmm. somehow they're scared of what they were? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which
0: is which is good, I suppose, in a way, because you you've taken yourself out of an unhealthy situation physically. But then, is that does that turn into an obsessive nature that that perhaps you know being afraid of your former self isn't a good place to be? I don't think, um, and and it is for the wrong reasons. Also,
1: I, I wonder what like you know if you're you're trying to attract a partner. Um, I, I wonder what what messages that sends. I for example. I know a lot of women, um, they don't want a man to appear to be overly vain. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously a point where it does become like that. Yeah, You know, and you are, they are looking, going, you know, you don't actually need to go to the gym today. Mm -hmm. I love your job. But actually there's a part of that guy saying, no, I need to, because if I don't, uh, I'm going to like, literally, Uh everything's going to go to pot. But actually maybe if you miss a day, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe your other half maybe doesn't mind mm. the fact that your body, I wouldn't say goes to pot, but maybe you relax a l- up a little bit about it, but maybe you're doing it more for yourself. And that's where the conflict can come sometimes. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, doing it for yourself is, is, I think a good
0: thing, a good place to be because um, you're not relying on someone else's values or their expectations of who you are. Um, and I think that could be quite dangerous. Um, but yeah, I mean, so as far as uh, let's move on to the grooming side of things now, because I think um, that kind of fills in that quite nicely is at what point now we're going through the same thing, like you say, as as women did, you know, 10 years ago or, or whatever. Do you think that's happening with grooming, with, with things like makeup and uh, I, I Botox? Think, or?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a huge uh, difference between uh, talking to a guy in their... Uh, late teens, early 20s, uh, as there is to a guy in his late 30s, Mm -hmm. early 40s. Um, And I think if you talk to a guy in their late teens, early 20s, um, they're almost questioning why you're even asking that question. If Mm -hmm. you said to them, do you have a problem with guys who wear makeup? They'll go, no, not really. Uh, Why? Mm -hmm. Talk to a guy in their late 30s and you ask them the same question you get a different response. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Absolutely and, you know, some people will, will go, yeah, I do have them. Or they'll be uncomfortable with a question mm-hmm. or some will be okay with it. Um, and again, with things like um, Botox, um, even kind of grooming, uh, I'm not talking just putting moisturiser on after the gym. It's funny, mm-hmm. I interviewed a guy the other day and I said, how are your mates now? With-? Well, they're all right because, uh, you know, when, when we finish at the gym, I, I put moisturiser on my face and, and no one complains about that. You know, <laughs> as, if that a, as if that would be something to complain about. Yeah. And I was saying, yeah, all right. But what about if you said to your mates at the gym, ah, that was a good workout. Well, I'm just off for um, uh, an exfoliating uh, facial after this. Uh, and he was like, Oh no, 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 no. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Because yeah, they would yeah. take take the piss out of me. Absolutely. And you're like, yeah, exactly. And and that's and that's the point of that age. And and there is a it's a protection device sometimes with guys with that that kind of banter, that that piss take thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is 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 just fun and, and that's how it goes with your mates. Um, but when that becomes the norm, then people do actually think, oh, actually, no, this is something I can't do Mm. and I shouldn't do. That's oppressive, Um, then, and that that is what toxicity is, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And I personally um, would like to see us get to a point, and I think slowly we'll get there, where (coughs) kind of honesty um, becomes something that's seen as brave. Mm -hmm. And brave, of course, is masculine. Whereas... Um, at the moment, you know, that honesty can be seen as, as vulnerability and vanity and weakness. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying that, for example, I mean, you know, we don't, You know, I, I mean, I do a lot about grooming, but I don't say to a girl, you've got to have a facial, you've got to do this. Mm. Each to their own. Some men do have problem skin. They have oily skin and actually it probably would do them good. Yeah. You know, and the thought that they wouldn't do it because they think they might get taken the piss out of is a mm. shame because I always believe that, you know, and you walk into a bar, for example, yeah, you've really, really worked hard on your six pack. Fantastic. How many people are going to see that unless it, you're on the beach? You don't walk into a bar and, and flash your uh, stomach at a stranger, wow. but they do see your face and you do get judged on it. Uh, and also in the workplace as well. You go for an interview in a suit mm-hmm. and people will notice how, how your skin looks, how your hair looks uh, and, and your age. And, and we're, we're ever more working in an environment now where people want to work for longer mm-hmm. But also, we're an age where people are obsessed with employing younger and younger people. Yeah, I'd like to think that if you looked younger and you had all the experience, then wow, that's an amazing package for a company Mm -hmm. because you're youthful, which is the image they want to send out. But you've got the experience exactly, and that's what I think is the way forward for for everybody really, but especially some guys. So, how much have you invested? In looking younger throughout your life um probably not as much as people would imagine i've never I've never had botox uh I've never had any kind of invasive Asian treatment but i I do generally live a fairly and I only say fairly healthy life because I also um at times fall off the wagon and I think it's important too i mean you know we're here for a short time you've got to enjoy yourself you've got to relax you know, even, you know, with people in their workout regimes and I, I listen to their diets and go, at what point do you allow yourself to relax this up a little bit? Because yeah. no one can keep that going forever. Um, so I would say the answer to that question is, is not a huge amount in terms of, I mean, you, you can spend a fortune on yourself, can't mm. you? On your face. and exactly. So I've, I've kind of taken the ethos of looking after myself on the inside and hoping that's going to reflect on the outside. And luckily it has. Saying that, obviously I do use certain creams. I do um, wear things like tinted moisturisers mm. and stuff like that. But that's when I look like wake up I look like a ghost. And I, I work hard. I do a lot. And I look knackered sometimes. And I go into something and I think, oh God, I don't want to walk into a room looking like that. Mm. And so if I can put something on my face that instantly makes me look better, mm-hmm. well, what's not to love? Why exactly. wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you allow yourself that? Um, you know, I, I don't want to walk into a room full of people and for them to think, what's he got on his face? <laughs> okay. What has he got? Like, is that my- of course I don't want that. But I do want people to think, oh, he looks well, looks healthy. And most importantly, oh, my God, he's 49 and he doesn't look it. mm because people love that, yeah, um, and they want to be a part of that. And you're rocking that right now, thank very you. well. Thank you, indeed, thank you. I mean, I have literally—I'll be honest—I've got a little bit of tinted uh, moisture. Like I said, I have put that on because, uh, yeah, I've had a bit. It's—it's the first day back at work after a bank holiday weekend, and yeah. I think everyone feels a bit like that—a little bit groopy, um, yeah. But uh, you know, that's fine, and I'm—I'm I'm happy to admit that. And I think it's really important um, for people to be honest, and guys in particular. And you know what the irony of it is, is they are starting to do this stuff, but they still won't talk about it. That's fine. If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But then, you know, um, actually, it's important to maybe have that conversation with guys who are younger, so they just feel it's okay to do this stuff. Yeah, definitely Um, create a space, create a dialogue about it. I think it's Just talk about it and say, uh, do you know what? I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you want to look good, then uh, absolutely what's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. And you've got to remember that, it's about looking after yourself. You know, I mean, yeah, people say, oh, it's tinted and moisturizer, it's vanity. But it's got an SPF in it. It's a moisturizer. Uh-huh. It's actually looking after my skin at the same time. It's not actually there for pure vanity reasons. No. There is a reason why it's going to help my skin. Do you think that
0: the the male market will get there? We'll get to the point where we can do whatever we want. We can we can we can talk about it. We can uh, you know, wear whatever moisturisers, maybe a little bit of foundation, whatever it is that uh, makes us feel a little bit more comfortable. Or do you think that kind of suppressive uh, masculine
1: attitude will will carry along uh, no matter what? I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle because I think what's going to happen is um, I think these products are going to become more mainstream. Mm. But I think there's going to be a, a way of marketing them to the general male population, mm-hmm. which is different, if you like, to how they're marketed to the general female population. And, and actually, that's a good thing because actually, um, you know, <laughs> advertisers have got to make money. They've got to think of different ways to market these products. Exactly. Yeah. And you think about like, you know, the fact, the fact that it's called grooming and not beauty for a start mm-hmm. is, is the key. Uh, and the fact that, you know, for example, the head of L'Oreal had, has predicted that there'll be uh, male makeup counters in the next sort of seven to ten years. And you'll be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, something you think of a department store and some some guy sort of demonstrating a bit of, you know, blusher on, you know, on Keith who's just come in for his, with his <laughs> wife who's been dragged around. Right, like, I can't see that happening. I just can't see that happening. I can't imagine but it myself. What I can see is... Uh, a counter on uh, maybe in that department, mm-hmm. which let, to, to all intents and purposes does contain those kind of products, bronzer kind of powder, um, mm-hmm. sort of moisturisers, which actually help cover up your skin, which quite frankly, to all intents and purposes, is like a foundation, but it just won't be called that. Yeah. So it's all in in how it's marketed and, and named. And I think uh, guys will feel... Comfortable with that, and why not? Why not change how it how it is and how it's called? Because I I think it's not it's not about whether it makes them uh, feel more or less of a man. It's about almost, in a sense, the fact that it's not the same as what (laughs) their wife or girlfriends buy. Exactly. Somehow, and and because we have different skin, we have Mm. different needs. Uh Um, and it it's about that really. It's about defining what that market wants and needs. And the things like, I think probably mascara, for example, is a step too far. And and guys don't need to kind of have that sort of thing. But you think of a man's face. What, what's strong about a man's face? His jawline, um, his eyebrows. Well, um, it's very different for a woman. A woman enhances their cheekbones and their lips. Mm. But you look at a man's face and actually think about... Uh, the good-looking men of the world, Uh, and you think about their jaws and their eyebrows and and, and the eyes to a certain extent Mm. and the chiseledness. So I think people will come up with things that will enhance those things, and it'll be very different to the female market. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. I mean, because it it is as simple
0: as pink and blue, isn't it? You know, that idea of uh, it's marketed for men, doesn't matter, it's it's got exactly the same products uh, or ingredients in as the female version, smells a little bit different.
1: Yeah, but I I agree. But I think we're going to go beyond that. I think what I'm saying is, yeah, because I think that whole thing where it's the same product, just in a brown, you know, Mm. it's in a black box, whatever, so it'll appeal to men. I think what I'm saying is that I think it will become more sophisticated than that. I don't right. think I think we're getting past that thing where because people are going, guys are going, well, hang on, that one's for guys and it's and it's the same product, but the women's is cheaper or vice versa, uh-huh. and they and they're not caring. But what I'm saying is they will you will target things specifically for uh, for men in terms of how it works for them and what they need. So I there'll see, be products yeah. for your eyebrows. Um, there might be um, something that in some way can kind, of, kind of enhance your jawline, maybe in the way you use your facial hair. Um, there'll be products that are specifically mm-hmm. engineered and designed in that way and actually something that a woman wouldn't necessarily want or need. Yeah. And, and I think that's the way to go with it. Yeah. I think just putting the same products in a different, different colour pop. yeah, we've done that, we're kind of there already, uh. but things will move on. Well, I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to seeing it. Well, I'm just thinking of my own product line now. (laughs) You just talked about it. I'm thinking that's what we should be doing. This is what we should be doing. Someone will do it. Tom Ford's already kind of Mm -hmm. started um, and people like that. So it's going to happen and you'll see these big designers who have, you know, set themselves up like your Tom Ford's, who've already started it, creating this path and it will become, will go more and more in that direction. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Uh, well Stuart Miles thank you very very much wow for that was
1: that was good fun thank it you. was good fun thank you yeah, so much It was very insightful that. thank you
0: and um, yeah look forward to speaking to you again yeah, I well, we can chop it up over another uh, over another topic
1: stick with me when you're my age you'll look probably even younger than I do now you so you'll be fine <laughs> I doubt st- that because we look the same age now anyway no so we don't you know. no, no we don't uh, no but interesting to see actually isn't it when for example you're my age how far this, this industry's come yeah. and how you'll yeah you know I hope to be and I not to think about how old I am then that's fair. I'll need, I'll need more than a face cream by that point. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's see
0: because maybe you'll be the first seventy-year-old man who looks twenty-five still. So yeah. No, I hopefully. think are well, a uh, freak. <laughs>